This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me is Rich. Hello, Rich. What's going on, Jason? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, we're uh, still diving into this uh, 50 game series that we've uh, we've put upon ourselves, so to speak. Hopefully, the listeners are enjoying it, um, and we're about to, to get into the era in which the 50 point games were the most common. Yeah, it's about to get uh, not boring, very, very interesting, but it's about to get more commonplace than we could ever even assume. And, and you know, I, I put it up on our uh, Twitter account at uh, Overback NBA uh, a few days ago. The, the chart showing this era and the 50-point games that occurred in this era to all other eras in, in NBA history. And it is startling how many happen in this era. And it makes sense. We'll talk about, obviously, why it happens. But to for how dramatic this era stands out over anything. Like, you would assume, you know, today's era, and, and, and we're, the reason we're doing this show is because it feels like this year, in 2019, there are so many more 50-point games. And there are many more 50-point games than there had been in, in a lot of previous years. And they, it doesn't even scratch the surface. It's not even anywhere close to what this era is in 50-point games. So this one's going to be a fun episode to talk about. Just just how ridiculous it got for, for a, a a couple of years here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just really, you know, you could consider this kind of the equivalent of uh, Major League Baseball's juice ball era. You know, 50-point games have gone from rare to almost routine. And it's almost hard to reconcile this era with the rest of NBA history because it was such an aberration, particularly 62 to uh, 63. Um, yeah, in those two seasons, there were 93 50-plus point games. It's 17 of the total in NBA history, more than any other full decade's worth. And if you look at 62 to 66, 7% of all NBA games in that era had a 50-point uh, game in them. So 127 in, in those five <laughs> seasons alone. So pretty incredible. And, and yeah, that's really wow. – yeah, and really, it's Will Chamberlain who's driving most of it. I mean, he had 100 out of the 127 <laughs> of this time. So, you know, I mean, there are other reasons. I mean, Baylor's obviously a big driver of it. Jerry West has, you know, six six games in this time. There are other players who are, you know, involved in doing a lot of scoring. But really, you know, the one who is the aberration is Will Chamberlain. Yeah, and uh, I hope you guys are ready because we're going to talk about all 100 of them right now. So <laughs> starting in 1962, <laughs> yes. right, we're, we're going to break down every that. single number of every single game of all 100. So yeah, this could be this could be the longest episode of Over and Back ever, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited be. about it, Jason. All so. right, yeah, six Let's hours. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Uh, all right. So yes. So so one a little bit of business from last time. I just wanted to just mention is um, you know we were kind of talking about okay when did 50 point games start really being something that happened in basketball because you know in the in the you know, pros the ba nba it started really in 49 um and I, and I couldn't really find it very much in terms of you know other leagues in college in barnstorming or stuff that just those records really aren't kept but if you kind of look just in college just at 60 point games it, it was happening occasionally in um 
in college. In the in D1, there were four of them uh, between 51 and 60, including ones by Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson. Not su- hugely surprising. In non-Division 1, there were eight 60-point games between 1949 and 1955, including an 85-point game by Paul Arizon, a 60-point by Bob Pettit, and then uh, games of 163 by Frank Zelvey, who was later a Lakers guard. So even 100 being broken uh, before Wilt, obviously, in uh, different contexts. But uh, but I just wanted to kind of mention that as a little bit of business that we tried to get into last time just to um, mention that. So it was... I guess the the point is that it was not unheard of, but still, you know, incredibly rare. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you had mentioned, or we had kind of talked about in a previous episode too, kind of the increasing number of fifty point games. You know, the first episode we did, and it was just like, yeah, there's just a few here. And then as we got, it was starting to get a little more commonplace. And then we said, you know, it's going to get crazy here with Wilt. We'll just kind of give you an idea that 1958 uh, fifty point games make up one percent of all regular season games that crosses the 100% threshold for the first time. So 1958, we're starting to see it become not necessarily commonplace, but becoming a little bit more, you know, happening a little bit more often. Uh, 1959, 1.7% of all regular season games featured a 50 point game, 1960, 3%, 1961, 4.4%, 14 total. And then 1962 is about to happen. So <laughs> we'll get to that here in a sec, but uh, yeah, some interesting stuff. We were trying to figure out, um, you know, in, in, in the build up to this episode, if there was a lot of reaction from kind of the press and the media of like, what the hell is going on to our game? Or like, oh, my God, this Wilt guy is scoring too many points. There's just these explosions. There's no one's playing defense. It was pretty hard to find anything in particular a, a, about that. I my kind of conclusion is that maybe people just didn't care enough about the NBA to really give, you know, too too much about these 50 point games. But it was really difficult. So we were kind of going on the SI vault to see what we could find. I did find from October 30th, 1961, an article uh, about, uh, uh, you know, the Philadelphia Warriors bringing in McGuire as their as their coach. And and the idea here is, and here's kind of the, the, the quote that says is his job uh, is coaching the Philadelphia Warriors. His challenge is to develop further and properly use the game's greatest individual talent and toughest problem, Wilt Chamberlain. And his eventual effect may be to measurably change the character of professional basketball from the brawling, hustling, cigar in the face, eye in the till game it has been for decades to the major league sport, which it longs and deserves to be. So I do wonder if maybe people were thinking that this was a positive. Like that, that seems to me like for whatever reason, I read that as like, Hey, we're getting away from kind of the brawling. And, and cause that's what, I mean, basketball was, you know, the cage sport of, of what it was in, in, in years past and whatnot. And that, that feels like that was many, many years prior, but still, I think maybe it had that, that, that thought to right. like the major, major media or whatever. But the idea here is that like, Hey, let's have Will Chamberlain be the star. That's going to turn this game into the next century. That's how I read that quote, but I don't know if that's necessarily what it was. But yeah, I couldn't find much else uh, in, in that story about uh, what was going on there. And then uh, obviously, right, right. Uh, yeah, I would say, ahead, yeah. yeah, I would say that, um, and, and I think you're right. I think like Sports Illustrated, in particular in the '60s, seems obsessed whenever it writes about the NBA is the idea of moving it away from being a bush league sport to being mm-hmm. like a you know a major league sport. That's a common theme in their writing, and I'm sure that there was. I mean. I, we know from other you know sources that there were definitely attitudes at the time of like you know this is crazy this is going on but probably most of the writing uh, from that era you know isn't necessarily available online but um, you know I, and I think definitely you know McGuire Frank McGuire when he comes in I mean one thing he absolutely does is decides to you know hey we're gonna throw the we're, you know we're gonna let Wilt be the engine of our scoring we're just gonna you know get him. Um, as many possessions as possible and, and have him score, even though, you know, he was on a team with a lot of other talented players, you know, Tom Gola, yeah. you know, Paul Ayers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, Ben Taylor, uh, you know, a friend of the show has done some really good research into, you know, Will in particular on this time about whether it was, um, 
you know, sensible for them to uh, to do that or whether you know, it was really better if they had had a more balanced team. And we'll, we'll dig into that in just a little bit, but I wanted to you know, mention that, um, you know, as the attitudes about, about Wilt are kind of evolving in the early 60s into the mid 60s. Yeah, and, and this is actually a pretty interesting quote that I found in the uh, the March 2nd, 1964 Sports Illustrated. So this is kind of a little bit after the scoring explosion, but I think it gives us an idea of where we're going to where we went from like that 1961 where it's like, hey, you know, Wilt's going to change this game a little bit to 1964, where, as you said, it, you know, uh, McGuire, his idea was like, let's just get it into Wilt. Let's have Wilt score all our points. Well, then at this point, we have Alex Hannum coming in as the coach of this uh, of Philadelphia, and things are a lot different now in, in terms of this. So the, here's here's kind of the. Um, the quote from this uh, SI vault says the team had the morale of a bunch of recruits immediately after their first GI haircuts said Hannon. I realized how completely inadequate the team had become. They had learned to depend on Wilt so completely. They were incapable of beating a squad of rookies. I had to convince them that they too had responsibilities. Uh, there were experts who were sure that Hannum did not have a chance. Chamberlain said one Eastern sports writer is a loser. He has been all of his life. Neither his college nor his pro team has ever won a title because he won't take to coaching. All he wants to do is score points. Alex Hannum, however, insists he has no trouble at all getting to Wilt to play more his way. Whether he did it or not, he obviously persuaded Wilt into a man. The Warriors were willing to give Hannum a, a battle plan to try. What could we lose? Says forward Thomas Sherry. Our shirts. We already lost those. So I don't know what happened to Thomas Sherry's shirts, but they're gone. So, yeah, they're gone, um, so. Yeah. But yeah, so that gives us a little bit of an idea of like we're, we're seeing in 1961. It feels like it's kind of like encouraging. Hey, cool. Well, it's going to be a fun, different thing. Hey, this league's going to be good. And then by 1964, we kind of see the, the the tenor around it is like, oh, wait, hold on. Like all Will is doing is scoring and they're not really winning necessarily. So I don't know. Yeah, that was hard to judge of like, is that like kind of a freak out or a reaction to the, the scoring or is it sort of like they're not winning even though he's scoring all these gaudy numbers or whatever. So it, it, it's kind of interesting. It, 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 to me, it sort of feels uh, like our modern day kind of James Harden thing where it's like, yeah, cool. He's getting 50 points. Yeah, cool. James Harden's winning MVPs. But when the playoffs comes, what does Harden do? You know, now his game's not going to work or, you know, we know that from the D'Antoni, you know, Suns era where it was like, yeah, this stuff's great in the regular season, but what, you know, when it matters, are you going to go and win a title and do it with that? So I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of an interesting reaction to see how three years can sort of change or three or four years can really change, you know, you know, the, 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 the narrative, the narrative around Wilton is scoring. Right. And obviously, you know, the fact that, you know, he had so many games in that, I mean, I, I can see where that would, that attitude, I mean, I don't, I don't entirely agree with it, but I, I do think that, you know, maybe it was a little bit too much Wilt or, or too much depending on Wilt being the scoring option rather than having a more balanced approach, even though obviously it makes sense for Will Chamberlain to take most of your shots on your team because, you know, of the, of the weapon that he was. Um, but but looking at, you know, we when we closed our previous episode, um, we were talking about the idea of Will and Baylor as being like number one and number two, you know, in terms of, you know, pushing forward, you know, most of the scoring that was going on, most 50 point scoring that was going on. Um, you know, prior to 62 and, you know, kind of the tail of the tape before this season, you know, Elgin Baylor has 850 games uh, so far, including an NBA record of 71, which he did uh, late or, or uh, early in the 1961 season. And um, he had averaged 32.3 points per game in 1661, uh, whereas Wilt had had 15 50 plus games so far. His career high was 67, which was set late in the uh, 61 season. In fact, his last uh, 50 point uh, plus game in uh, was was at that point. And he'd averaged 38 uh, points per game in the 1661 seasons. And he'd had one fewer season than Baylor to get his 15 versus Baylor's eight. So, well, clearly leading in terms of the number of 50-point games, Baylor obviously has the single-game record. 
Um, you know, we talked about it kind of being, you know, at least kind of a close race or at least something you could talk about in terms of, okay, who is the best scorer of the two? Is it Chamberlain? Is it Baylor? But really, you know, what Will does seem comfortably ahead at this point um, with Elgin having the bragging rights in terms of the single game record. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, this 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 next few years are going to kind of blow that out of the water. But it is pretty close so far. And uh, if you guys want any more reading on on, on Wilt versus Baylor, there is a uh, great piece by a uh, friend of the show, uh, Curtis Harris at Pro Hoops History. Uh, it's called Classic Rivalry, uh, Wilt Chamberlain versus Elgin Baylor. And it talks a little bit about uh, a lot of the stuff that they did prior to uh, coming into the NBA, even where they would battle on like playgrounds and stuff. And like it seemed more of like kind of a force rivalry, even though I don't think these two dudes really hated each other on any level. But but sort of like a kind of a professional rivalry in, in, in a lot of ways. But um some stuff that comes up here. Uh, Wilton Elgin Baylor scored at least 50 points against one, each, uh, one another in the same game, and it so happens they all took place between December 1961 and December 1962, so there was a few games that they had. Uh, December 8th, 1961, as you mentioned before, Baylor in, in some kinds had some bragging rights. Not only did he have the single game record, but also uh, in, in, in this particular game, uh, Curtis got a quote here. It says, Will Chamberlain definitely was unhappy. He slouched huge. Uh, he slapped, He slouched his huge seven plus foot uh, frame onto a tiny stool in the corner of the Philadelphia Warriors dressing room. A picture of dejection, seemingly too tired to move an inch. As far as I'm concerned, said Wilt, it's just 78 points down the drain. We lost the game. And then Elgin, who's quote, maybe a little bit more than a professional rivalry, said, uh, Will can have all the records just so we can win the game. So <laughs> that's uh, yeah. unfortunately would be kind of a theme over Will Chamberlain's next you know decade or so it's like yeah good numbers but yeah you know some other guys are gonna get the wins be it elgin or or, or bill russell or you know a few others as well so yes. although the uh the record for wilt's teams was was still very good when he uh oh for sure yeah. 50 plus yeah so uh, yeah th- th- that only goes to kind of a certain point but yeah but it's a good point yeah and there's another great there was a grantland piece um a few years ago, obviously, when Grantland still existed, uh, on um, Wilt and Baylor, yeah, kind of in the 50s before they were pros. You know, they, they had some uh, games against each other on the uh, D.C. courts, uh, you know, where Elgin grew up and, um, you know, in, in playgrounds and rec leagues and stuff. And, you know, where there was some of that looking at the two of them as, as the elites, but there it was never quite the... You know, obviously they played different positions and they kind of had different games, so it was never quite the you know the the, the same kind of one on one battles that you kind of think of in terms of the you know a one on one comparison. But they definitely, obviously, they were two of the elite scorers of their uh, of their of their time for sure. So. Uh, and then one more thing, looking at between the two, in terms of the two of them, looking at their 1962 season, um, Wilt, of course, you famously averages 50.4 points per game uh, for the season. Uh, Elgin, um, he averages 38.3, which is which would be fourth all time, but it doesn't officially count because he only played 48 games in the season because of, um, of Army Reserve obligations. Although he did end up playing uh, 2,129 minutes, which is more than Bill Walton had in his MVP season. So, which is you know, it seems like it should count based on that uh, number there. A little bit of a historical injustice that um you know that that Baylor's uh, points per game uh, season doesn't officially count in the record books in terms of most all time for that time so yeah it does seem kind of yeah. silly i mean yeah that'd be that'd be awesome to see and yeah, like 48 games still seems like that's yeah that's a pretty decent amount I, right that I, should count yeah, like. yeah i think we should make an official ruling that it now counts so. Okay, cool. I'll uh, right. I'll get uh, I'll get Silver on the line and, and see what he can do about that. All right, so. all right, yeah. Well, even if he doesn't recognize it, I feel like you know, we will. We we'll can go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we'll right, go ahead yeah. and officially recognize it. The listeners of the show recognize it. So yes. So absolutely. So yes. So um, the um, yeah the the fifty nine season uh, or excuse me the the sixty two season in which there are fifty nine fifty plus point games uh, sets 
the record, of course, for 50-plus games was up from 14 in the previous season. The percentage of 50-point games, 15.8 regular season games uh, were 50-plus during uh, this time, which is uh, way more than is ever will be has ever happened in the uh, league. If the same percentage happened this season, there would be 194 50-plus uh, games, which uh, would be kind of hard to keep track of. <laughs> Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, we would not do an episode on that, uh, talking about all of those games, because that'd be, that'd be too many, <laughs> so, as we're not going to do in this one either. So Yes, a- absolutely. Uh, so we're, we'll hit a few of the highlights, of course. Um, and Wilt, in fact, uh, would uh, begin the season with two straight 50-plus games. It was the first time that it happened on consecutive dates. Um, and Elgin Baylor's uh, first comes uh, early in uh, December, um, where he has it's his first fifty point plus point game. Um, Bob Pettit uh, on uh, December six sixty one has his first, and it is a fifty thirty game, which for non Wilt Chamberlain players has only been done otherwise by George Mike and previously. It's going to be done by Elgin Baylor two days later, and then would later be done by Mel Daniels and George McGinnis. So only six players in NBA history have, uh, or NBA, ABA history have ever done that. Yeah, no, that's that's an impressive little, uh, impressive little number there. And yeah, it's getting, we're in December, by the way, <laughs> as you can right. tell, we're like, like, this is, I mean, we're, 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 we're in the early parts of the season and it is still already, it, it's gotten ridiculous already and it's going to get even more crazy as we go on. Yes, and Wilt has already – he'll have eight before December, um, and uh, and we'll, we'll obviously keep piling them up as um, as we go. And, and then the game that you refer to that Curtis wrote about, um, December 8th, uh, 1961, this is definitely a, uh, a notable game. The first time that two players have 50-plus in the same game. Actually, the, the uh, only time that two players have 60-plus in the same game. Elgin Baylor has 63 points. Um, the 60-30 game that we referred to, uh, Will Chamberlain, uh, 78 points, 43 rebounds, the only 70-40 <laughs> game ever. Uh, this does happen in three overtime, so a little bit of a uh, asterisk, but Will setting the uh, single-game points record at the, that point, and still it is the third most points that have ever been um, scored in a game. Pretty yeah, good. Uh, Wilt's uh, Wilt's third a fifty forty game as well. So you know, <laughs> nice little thirty four. Right? Game. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, fifty forty. Yeah, it's, it's right. Oh God, Will Chamberlain, and then uh, he comes back uh, a few days later. Actually, the next day. Uh, and drops uh, 60-30. Of course he does. Uh, yes. And then the next day after that, he dropped 55. So that's, right. he goes 78, yeah. 61, and 55 in back-to-back-to-back games. Unbelievable. Jesus. Right. Yeah, back-to-back-to-back <laughs> nights. The 8th, the ninth, <laughs> and the 10th. So, and then this yes. this bomb maybe he had the day off. I don't know. On the eleventh, he might he might have not had a game that day. The twelfth, he comes back and he hits fifty four as well. So yeah, know, takes a takes a day break and then comes back. Oh, and then the next day he comes back and he has fifty two points. So basically right. four out of or what five out of the last six days he's got fifty points. Yes, and on the the same date but on a different game, the thirteenth, um, Elgin Baylor the first recorded fifty point triple double fifty two uh, twenty five and ten. So not bad there. Um, we're going to skip a little bit later into December. Um, although Wilt does have three performances between uh, the 13th <laughs> and the 25th, but he has his first, the very first, um, a Christmas 50 point game, uh, 59 points, 36 rebounds by a uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Um, the next night, uh, he does have 50, uh, 51 and 29, but he has a 42.78 true shooting percentage, which is the worst ever to that point in a 50-plus game. And, and I wonder 
how bad does your true finish percentage have to be before you consider before a 50 point game is considered a bad game i i don't know it was a win for the uh, warriors against the, yeah uh, the nationals so it didn't drag them down too bad but, but at what point do, does a 50 point game become a bad game if you're you're taking so many shots because there are only really a, a handful of examples of um of 50 point games having a true shooting percentage below 50 percent and um and will has you know, almost all of them so that's interesting. Yeah, I was going to wonder, the, the one game that comes out to me, even though it was a fun game and I would never you know, trade it, and it was one of my favorite games ever to watch, was the, the, the last game of Kobe's career where he's just chucking. You know what I mean? I think, what do you end up with that game? Like 60, somewhere in the 60s, I forget what it was. But like, he's just, I think he misses like 40 shots or something like that. He's just like, yeah. he's just chucking and ready to go. But I think his true shooting actually ended up being, he took a ton of threes in that game too, even though he missed, I think like 15 threes or whatever. Right. But that's one where I'm like, ah, you know, he got 60, but that was really not a good game. But like, it yeah. was still fun. You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those weird, like, oddities where I, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I watched it. But, like, I don't know that I could call that a good game. It was just a yeah. game where Kobe shot the ball quite a lot. So Right. I think that was 50 points – or, excuse me, 60 points, 50 shots. And um, But he was, like, kind of carrying that team down the stretch. They wouldn't have won that game if he hadn't have done that. And, and so right, I, right, I, I right. do think even that one – and I, I get what you're saying. But even that one, I think, you know, would would not quite meet that threshold. Although you're, you're getting close to that with um, – some of the shots, but again, you know, when you're scoring that much, you're so hot, you might as well take all the shots because you know you don't really necessarily have you know many better options at that point. So I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to get the true shooting percentage for that game here real quick. Let me. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Oh, I was right there. So he was at uh, still like 54. Point three percent. Okay, so he, he right. actually wasn't bad at all. So all right, so right, yeah, yeah. Fifty five, fifty six is about average uh, at this yeah. point. So okay, yeah, so that's not bad. Yeah, twenty two uh, of fifty from the field, yeah. six of twenty one from three. And, so and and in in Wilt era, uh, I think you're going to dig into it a little bit later. But the average true shooting percentage you know, during this era, from like sixty two to sixty six, is like forty eight point six percent. So uh, right. yeah, so forty two definitely would be quite a bit below that. But most of the games here, yeah, most of the games here are like in the low fifties. So you know they're they're definitely above average for the league, especially at the time. Um, and then another uh, on the twenty seventh, Wilt uh, also scores fifty three. So he has fifty nine, fifty one, and fifty three on a back to back to back. So not quite as impressive as the previous one, but still you know pretty good. <laughs> and, and this is two and a half weeks later after that other stretch. So. Oh boy! Pretty incredible. <laughs> we're in December. Yes, we're getting we're to January December. though. We're almost to January. And then, yes, uh, yeah. Yes. I don't even, like, what do we even do anymore? <laughs> it's just wilt, wilt a lot of wilt. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yes. Yes. So wilt on the 29th has 60, and uh, and also Elgin Baylor has uh, 52. This is the same game. Uh, 12, 29, 61. Um, and uh, this means that December 1961 had 19 50 plus games, which is more. <laughs> 50 plus games than any other full season in NBA history, except for the 1963 season, obviously the next season. Um, and uh, Baylor is going to basically bow out of this race, although Chamberlain is w- way, way ahead at this point um, because he's only going to play six regular season games after January 1st because of the uh, because of his obligations uh, there. It's worth noting that the Warriors did end up winning uh, that game against the um, uh, against the Lakers. So, um so uh, Will gets a little bit of revenge for the uh, previous uh, showdown in which uh, the Lakers won, despite uh, Wilt having the seventy-eight points. Absolutely, and then uh, one of the other games notable in uh, January as well for Wilt, uh, January thirteenth, he gets seventy-three points. So it's second seventy-plus point game uh, season, uh, then the second highest uh, total in NBA history uh, as well. So yeah, he's he's 
He's doing work out there. And Wilt's uh, second ever 70 and 35 game as well. So, right. oh, and, then, okay. and then the next night he has 62 because, of course, he does. So. Right. Of course, he does. <laughs> on, and then on the uh, the 17th of January, and uh, Wilt has 62, and Jerry West has 63 points. So this is, of course, it, with, uh, with, with um, Baylor out, West is uh, taking up the mantle of the uh, high scoring. West and Baylor become the first set of teammates to have 50 uh, in a season and the only pair to have 60 in a season because West has 63 points here. Um, West is, at, at this point, the 12th player ever with 50-plus and the 5th ever with 60-plus. Uh, uh, and it, it sets his, the career high for um, points that he would never, uh, again, amass more than 63 points in uh, total in, in his career. So, uh, and, and West, this is definitely a time in which he's, really emerging as a mm-hmm. you know co-star of the team let's say i mean obviously baylor's already been the star i think this is west second season or maybe third in the league so he's really um emerging as it being you know instead of being you know baylor's team it's now going to be weston baylor's team kind of you know here going forward absolutely yeah and uh so a few games later here as we're kind of doing these back-to-back-to-back things with wilt uh january 19th he has uh, 53 points that means uh, if we go back to the 17th where he had 62 the 18th, we're at 54, and the 19th, we're at 53. He goes 62, 54, and 53 on back-to-back-to-back. So right. that's yeah. uh, pretty good. Oh, boy. <laughs> this guy. Yes. Um, and then Weston Wilt, again, on the 24th, uh, again, separate games. Uh, West is 50, Wilt is 55 on the uh, on January 24th. Um, and then by the end of the month, we have uh, January, we will have given us 15 50-plus games, which would be the fifth highest total for any season in uh, NBA history. So, uh, again, you know, setting huge <coughs> records here, particularly in those two months. Um, Wilt has a few in early December. And then we get a new player on the list, uh, Cliff Hagen, who... Uh, Becomes the 13th player to have 50-plus. He and Bob Pettit become the second set of teammates to have 50-plus in a season. Obviously, Weston Baylor had done that just earlier on. And he is only the second 30-year-old to break 50 after Dolph Shays. So um, we have we have a few fun facts about uh, Cliff uh, Hagen to uh, to share with you. Well. Yeah, so here's uh, here's some stuff about uh, old Cliff, because, yeah, we might as well, since we've been only talking about Wilton Taylor, we might as well break aside to talk about some of these other guys. Uh, nickname was Little Abner, uh, coined by Hawks broadcaster Buddy Blattner, so uh, Little Abner there. Uh, five-time yeah. All-Star, <laughs> two-time All-NBA, uh, known for stepping up big in the playoffs as well, uh, famous as well for being involved in the trade that sent Bill Russell to the Celtics, um, which, again, like, is a trade that is always like, oh, man, the Celtics, they robbed them. But, like, Cliff Hagen was good. <laughs> and then, again, McCauley right. was very good. Like, they got two Hall of Famers, the Hawks. And they got a title in the deal as well. So it, like, actually worked out for, yes, it worked out yeah. a little bit better for one team, but it still worked out pretty well for the other team. Yeah, maybe sure. historically not not yeah. nearly on the same level, but still not a terrible trade. Uh, yeah. and so, well, and also, uh, also the fact that the the – the racism in the, the the motivation for the trade, I think, is definitely part of the, sure. uh, of, of why the trade was really really bad. But but yes, but the the Hawks did, uh, you know, uh, they had success and they did get a good, a good player out of uh, that one. Although the Celtics obviously won big with you know eleven championships to one. That's definitely maybe yeah, maybe beat yeah. them out a little bit in, in, right, in that. But right. yeah, Hagen uh, uh, known as a uh, versatile scorer. Uh, hook shot was a weapon uh, with either hand as well. Uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar said uh, he's seeing you know he was kind of inspired by Hagen's uh, hook shots and helped uh, Kareem uh, basically 
kind of decide that the skyhook could be a really good weapon for him as well. Uh, he was the Dallas Shepherds player coach as well. We talked about that uh, during our uh, past issues of the 70s thing. I uh, became the first player to play in the All-Star Games in both the NBA and ABA, which is pretty interesting as well. Uh, and then there's also a bunch of stories in Loose Balls, as I said, I think we mentioned as well during our Basketball Mysteries of the 70s series about him uh, and his, his notable temper uh, on the courts, which, uh, yeah, there were a lot of fun moments in that as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit about Cliff Hagen. So who uh, who... Makes an appearance here finally to break up the, the break up the monotony of of Wilton Elgin so far. Yes, um, and we uh, then we have um, we got Will Chamberlain again uh, on the uh, on the thirteenth. Uh, he's going to have a big scoring stretch here coming up as well. Um, but we have a, another new name on the list, uh, Richie Guerin, uh, with uh, fifty one points in uh, on uh, Valentine's Day, nineteen sixty two. And he'd, he'd already broken through the uh, previous season with one performance. And he's he and Wilt are about to have another one, just a or, – or rather, yes, on the on the 25th of, uh, of February. Um, Wilt has 67 and Garen has uh, 50. And Garen has uh, 50, 11, and 13. So the second ever recorded 50-plus triple-double. Uh, this is the third time that two players have had 50 in the same game, both ever in history and also in this season. Uh, this is the first time that it's not Wilt Elgin, however. Um, and then and then a week later, we're going to have another Wilt milestone. But before that, I think we should talk a little bit about uh, Richie Guerin. Yeah, so here's a little bit about uh, kind of the, the, the Richie Guerin lineup here. So, you know, we had mentioned him briefly in a previous episode uh, because he scored 57 points in uh, 1959. And we mentioned that, you know, he'd maybe pop up here again. And, and here he is. So uh, 1962, he reaches the 50-point mark twice. As we said, he does it 11 days apart. Uh, first coming, as you said, on fe- uh, February 14th against the Celtics. Uh, Guerin put up 51 points and 10 rebounds in a win against Boston as well. So that's a pretty big deal uh, at that point to get a big win against the Celtics. Uh, February 25th, uh, Guerin once again hits the mark, this time in a triple-double. He scores 50, it grabs 11 rebounds, dishes out 13 assists. More impressively, Garen and the Knicks defeat the Warriors in this game as well. And it should be noted as well in this game that, you know, Wilt had 67 and 21. But, so not a bad game for Wilt, yeah. but we're talking no. about Garen. So screw Wilt right now. We're talking about Garen. Garen gets his moment in the, sh- sign, uh, the, moment in the sun for a bit. What I think is pretty interesting about the, these two games, though, more than anything, is... Um, Garen scores 50 against two of the NBA's best teams and the eventual Eastern Division Finals matchup between the Knicks or, or between the, the, the Warriors and the Celtics and his Knicks. Richard Garen, of course, playing for the Knicks right now. They're not that good. <laughs> they were 29 and 51 on the year and not close to making the playoffs despite Garen's heroics. But in both of these games where he steps up big, they get wins against two of the best teams in the league. But yeah, ultimately, it's not enough for their team to ever be good on like a, a, a night to night basis. And yeah, they're only 29 and 51 uh, on the year despite uh, despite his good scoring. Yeah, and Garen was kind of perennially stuck as a you know great player on a bad team. He, Willie Nulls were you know both both really good players, but mm. the, the Knicks whatever could not surround them with you know a particularly good team in the late '60s and the uh, uh, the excuse me the late '50s and the early '60s. Garen did end up having some success as a player, you know, team success as a player and as a coach with the uh, Hawks, uh, as well as Nulls you know, going on to the uh, Celtics. So they were able to get out of there and and, and find a better. Uh, atmosphere for whatever reason the Knicks took a while for them to finally find some competency up until you know the mid to late 60s of course uh, famously uh, but back to uh, Will Chamberlain uh, we got the big one here on uh, March 2nd 1962 100 point game um, and of course you know we've already done an episode on this with 100 facts about Will Chamberlain's 100 uh, point game uh, I do want to note that this is Wilt's 15th 60 plus point game in his career in, in the 14th this season 
and his third 70-plus uh, point game uh, in here. And obviously the first time that he or anyone, or in the last time probably, will have 100 points in a, a game. So, uh, yeah, I, I would refer, for more on this one, I would refer to uh, the other episode that we did on this game because it's, it's like a, so, so many incredible facts about this game. Yeah, just just a legendary all time game. And yeah, we don't we don't need to talk about it again here because we've done it many times and you've probably read much about it. But yeah, the, sure. that, that episode we did the hundred fun facts about the the hundred uh, point game is pretty awesome. So definitely go and check that out if you can. Yes, and uh, the last new name for uh, this season uh, is uh, Rudy Larusso, uh, and that this uh, the Lakers end up setting a record having three players with uh, fifty plus in a season, and, and that would not, in fact, be tied until uh, Golden State in the twenty nineteen uh, season would uh, do so. I guess they have the opportunity for four, um, per- perhaps. Uh, and Larusso is the fourteenth player at this point ever with fifty plus in the game. And interestingly enough, neither West nor Baylor played in this game, so uh, Larusso, uh, you know, carrying things on his own, uh, able to. Uh, I, I've you know pretty incredibly you know for a guy who I'd always kind of thought of as a uh, as more like you know rugged rebounder defender type player, but he leads right. the team and then they actually win in this game. They beat the uh, Hawks in this game to uh, there, so pretty incredible performance uh, for him. And we got a little bit more on on Rudy uh, as well. Yeah, so a little bit about it. As, as you mentioned, he kind of to me felt like more of kind of a bruiser rebounder, kind of does a lot of all over the court type thing. But yeah, and and he averaged only uh, fifteen point six points per games in his career, which is not is not terrible, but you know, just, it doesn't quite seem like a guy who would who would be capable of dropping fifty. But anything is possible in nineteen sixty two. Clearly, uh, he was an all star, five time all star, uh, first non Hall of Famer to score fifty points as well. As we're kind of going through this list here, uh, there there is going to be many more <laughs> as we did our episode on surprising uh, fifty point games. He is not the only one, but uh, at this point he. Is the first non-Hall of Famer to score 50. Uh, some other Rudy Russo uh, fun facts here. He was uh, nicknamed Roughhouse Rudy, uh, involved in a couple of famous NBA fights, including a brutal battle with Tommy Heinsohn in uh, 1962, uh, and Willis Reed's beat down the Lakers in 1966, which came after LaRusso and Reed had been trading elbows uh, as well. Uh, 1967, he is traded to the Pistons, but refuses a report to Detroit. Uh, he's suspended and fined by the NBA, eventually making his way to the Warriors, where he finished his career with two All-Star seasons. Uh, one of the few NBA players who retired averaging 20 20 points per game in their final season as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then I think the funnest of all fun facts here, I had a small cameo role in Gilligan's Island. Uh, he was in the episode Bang, Bang, Bang as Agent Michaels. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Regular Russo, Agent there Michaels. There you go. Gilligan's Island. So yeah, not many other people can say they scored 20 points per game in their final NBA season and also had a cameo role in Gilligan's Island. But uh, Regular Russo can say that. He can say that, yeah. So you screw the Hall of Fame. He was in Gilligan's Island. So. <laughs> right, exactly. He's in the yeah. true Hall of Fame. Of, right. Know, the, the true, yes. <laughs> yeah. Gilligan's Island. Uh, and we also uh, we cap off this season with two uh, playoff performances. Uh, Wilt uh, Chamberlain, he, um, he has um, f- 56 points in uh, 56 points on uh, March 22nd, 1962, and uh, 35 rebounds in that game. This came in a uh, win over the uh, Nationals. And then Elgin Baylor in the uh, NBA Finals. He ends up with 61, setting a uh, Finals record. It was the uh, the first 60-plus game in playoff history and uh, only the second 50-plus in Finals history coming after Bob Pettit. And it was the last of his four 60-plus point games in uh, his career. So capping off you know, quite the uh, remarkable season. Yeah, it's just an incredible stuff here. So now kind of I think it's a good time now to sort of reset and look at the, the, the number of players that had the 50 plus and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's seven players with 50 plus points per game in this 1962 season. Will Chamberlain has 46 of them, as we mentioned, even without Wilt. 
the 13 50-point games would have been 3.61% of the total that season, more than any other season outside of the early 60s. So essentially, yes, Wilt breaks the, the thing and makes it all ridiculous, but even without him, it's still a ridiculous season with a lot of guys getting 50. Yeah, absolutely. It really, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it, it was pretty incredible. And obviously a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, the pace is getting faster, um, you know, teams are scoring more points than ever. The the points per game in this season uh, increased from eight, 118.1 to 118.8, which that's an all-time record that would never be surpassed. Um, you know, and, and we have things happening like the this is the first time the league has expanded uh, since, uh, you know, the early 50s when, they're, you know, the league contracted. Um, the Packers joined the league this season, um, and also there was a rival league. The American Basketball League began play, taking it didn't take like a whole lot of, um, you know, it took a few good players, not really a whole lot of you know great players or anything. It didn't have the impact that the ABA would have later, but you know may, maybe those things kind of had an effect. And you know the other th- something that we kind of forgot to talk about in our fifties episode, um, the lack of the fifty plus games in fifty five to fifty seven after the shotcock began also you know coincided with the league you know contracting in the early 50s from 17 to 8 uh teams so you know perhaps the league being more balanced was a factor in that and perhaps you know expansion may have played a, a bit of a role in the season and you know could have played a, a, a role um you know as uh, things are going forward in the uh, late 60s and early 70s yeah, that that it will be something that we'll kind of have to monitor as we go on because we have seen in in, in the history of the NBA is when expansion happens or, or contraction happens, like weird things happen. You know, the the Bulls winning their seventy two probably doesn't happen without the Grizzlies and the Raptors coming to the league and, and and kind of changing a little bit of the you know stretching out the talent a little bit, even 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 as subtly as like two teams can really do a lot, and and, and we'll see throughout history that that can sort of change and 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 waver. So do I, I do wonder if yeah that that we didn't really address that that you know every team got a little bit better because there was just fewer of them so the better players all kind of came together on better teams that might have been uh you know a, a, a factor in that but yeah we, we're gonna see oddities throughout you know this series with, with with expansion and contraction so yeah it's pretty interesting to, to note that and we'll see how that kind of plays out in the future as well yes uh so speaking of the abl uh there were four 50 point games that it had in its history uh, i did not include them officially in our spreadsheet but uh but roger kaiser connie hawkins tony jackson and bill bridges all have um 50 point games in the one and a half year history of that league. So now you know. Famous ABL. Yeah, the famous, famous ABL. So that's. Yep. So uh, any other things on the averages uh, in terms of, uh, of this era? Yeah, so let, let's kind of look at this. We've been doing that with uh, every one of these, you know, eras. We look at, you know, the the average field goals, attempted average free throws. So for this era, so this this nineteen sixty two to nineteen sixty six, we've obviously only gone through nineteen sixty two, but we'll uh, we'll go through everything else a little bit quicker here. But uh, average uh, field goal attempted for fifty point games in this era, the sixty two to sixty six, uh, is forty one. Uh, the average free throw attempts for fifty point games in this era is seventeen. Uh, the average true shooting percentage is fifty eight point five. And now you had sort of mentioned this as well that the average true shooting percentage in this era was forty eight point six. So we're seeing a huge when you score 50 it's an it's you're, you're being elite you know what i mean like compared to other guys in this area it's not like it's very easy to score 50 it's still very difficult and the guys that are doing it are doing it because they're just shooting better in the games they do it but i thought this is interesting to kind of compare it uh, to games all time and then of course uh in 2019 which we've been doing for a while uh, as well the average field goal attempts i mentioned for this era is 41 uh average field goal attempts in 50 point games of all time are 34.4 so obviously that number is going to go down a little bit because of 
you know, the inclusion of the three-point line. And that's what we see with 2019 as well. The average field goals attempted in 50-point games this year, 2019, is only 31.6. So that's almost 10 fewer than it was uh, in this 1962-66 to 66 era. But yeah, obviously with the inclusion of the three-pointer is going to change it a lot. The average field goal attempts uh, this era, as I mentioned, 17. Uh, all-time is 15.1. And then 2019 is 14.1. So again, more free throws attempted as well. Uh, average true shooting percentage, as I said, for uh, this era is 58.5. Uh, average true shooting percentage all time our 50 point game 66.9 and then this year uh 72.2 so again the inclusion of the three-point line and just efficiency being more important than anything uh we see that sort of rise as as the errors go on and and yeah 72.2 percent compared to 58.5 percent uh from 1962 to 66 so just some uh some comparisons there as we kind of look at uh throughout history yeah absolutely um so diving into 1963, uh, overall, uh, we're, we, we dipped down only 34 50-plus point games uh, this season. Uh, of course, uh, still uh, by far uh, the most outside of the 62 season. In fact, 9.4% uh, of the regular season games of this season were 50-plus. Still a huge number, obviously. Um, league-wide, the points per game went down by a significant margin, 1182 150.3, still one of the bigger numbers in NBA history. And the uh, the, the club is less democratic this year. Um, only two players um, have 50-plus this season. Uh, Wilt has uh, 30, and Elgin Baylor has four. And Wilt only averaged 44.8 points per game this year. So, you know, he's slacking. <laughs> Come on, Wilt. Put some, you know, like, wow. put some effort into it. Come on, man. Jeez. Yeah, but no, this is it's interesting that, yeah, that, that prior year we had, you know, so many different people. Your Rudy Lewis's, your Jerry West, your Elgin Baylor's, your Will Chamberlain's, your Bob Pettit's, your Cliff Higgins, you know, all those kind of guys. And then this year, yeah, just kind of, you know, Wilt and Baylor. <laughs> it's just down yeah. to those two, which is it's strange because, yeah, there was so many different dudes that were just kind of getting involved in it uh, the prior year. And then now this year, it just goes back down. It's just the year to year change is just is remarkable, even though there there you know, there was still plenty of them being done by those two men. But, yeah, the idea that, like, not as many guys were in there is just I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, definitely interesting for sure. Uh, so uh, digging into a few of the key games that season. Uh, Will Chamberlain actually has 56 in the uh, in the first game of the season, and although he's not the first to do so in the first game of the season, Baylor had previously uh, done that as well. It's only been a few times, um, and then on the uh, on the 26th of October, Wilt has his fourth 50-40 uh, game, 50 points and 41 rebounds um, in a, in a big win there. Uh, and then two nights later, Wilt has 53, but he has it on uh, the worst field goal percentage, uh, 23 out of 60 in a 50-plus point game. Uh, it's the only true shooting percentage under 40 in a 50-plus point game. He has a 39% true shooting percentage. And it's his final game with 60-plus uh, field goal attempts. And, and the fact that the final game in history, uh, at least so far, with 60-plus uh, field goal attempts uh, there. So... This might be an instance of a bad 50 yeah. plus point game. This might be one of the few instances where you could almost say for sure that this was bad. Yeah, and they lost too, which is also important to the loss of the right. Royals. So yeah, you lose, you have the worst field goal percentage, you take 60, you know, field goals, and you lose. You know, that uh, that might be it. That might this might be our when is the 50 point game truly bad? And this this might be it. So um yeah. it just seems weird because 53 is still 53. <laughs> you know, it's still right. Wilt and, and it's still, yeah. you know, a, a good game. But yeah, this this might be it. This might be that threshold that we were looking for. Right. 50 uh, 53 on 60 shots, you know, less good. So <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, he breaks 70 a couple times in November on the, uh, on the third of, uh, of November. He has 72 on the 16th of November. He has 73 
Uh, and then uh, later on in December, he keeps you know racking them up in uh, November and December. In, um, in mid-December on the uh, 14th, he has uh, another 60-30 game. So, um, and then that is also the last uh, Wilt uh, Chamberlain-Elgin-Baylor 50-plus duel. They uh, It's the third time for them and the fourth time in NBA history that it's ever happened in any game. Uh, the Again, the other one involving Wilt and Richie Guerin. Um, and uh, Wilt has 63 points, 30 rebounds. Um, Elgin has 51 points, 9 rebounds. So uh, quite an incredible one there. And the winner of that game was actually the uh, Lakers. So uh, I, I guess uh, Elgin won in a certain uh, point of view uh, in terms of the head-to-head. I believe his team won twice and Wilt's team won the other time. So Absolutely. Yeah, and between the two, um, we also had two more 70-point uh, games as well. Uh, uh, November right. 3rd, uh, November 16th, Wilt, uh, his fourth 70-plus point game, uh, then the fourth highest point total ever, and then he comes back 13 days later and gets 73, so that becomes the third most ever, and that's his fifth 70-plus point game. So yeah, he's, he's really just changing the, the record books here. <laughs> poor, poor Elgin is just getting pushed back more and more and more every single time, so... Yes, although Elgin does on the on the fifteenth, he has another fifty plus point game. So so back to back games with fifty plus. I believe that's the only time he had done that in uh, in his career uh, on consecutive nights. Um, and then uh, on the eighteenth, Wilt um, of December, Wilt has sixty one against the Hawks, and this would be his ninth fifty plus point game against the Hawks in these two seasons. I, I wanted to kind of look and see if he had victimized you know any teams in particular more than others over these two seasons. If it, you know any any one of them bore the uh, the greater weight, but the the Hawks actually had the least of of those with only nine in two seasons. So. There you go. So yeah, they're beating up on the Hawks a little bit. But we'll talk about that. We have a little bit of the numbers here on, in, in terms of uh, opponents and teams and whatnot. We'll get to that here in a sec, though, just to see if, if it right. does stand out. <laughs> yes. So, or, so well, sorry. Well, right, yeah, Atlanta now. So I, I'm sure Atlanta still bears the shame. You know, yeah, I'm sure they do. They, 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 they still, still hang the banners. Yeah. yeah, they still hang right. the banners. Exactly. <laughs> um, he well had 67 and on uh, January 11th, 63. He had 62 on January uh, 29th, and uh, this was his 11th 50 plus game <laughs> against the Knicks in the uh, two seasons. So, and then uh, and then on uh, February 13th. Uh, Wilt has his first 50-plus triple-double, 51, 29, and 11. And uh, Elgin Baylor, uh, on the same night but a different game, um, he has the last 50 of his career, so 11, so 18 total, and also the second 50-plus triple-double of uh, all time, 50, 15, and 11. So two 50-point triple-doubles on the same night but in separate games. Pretty, yeah, that's, pretty incredible. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, both uh, – and, and fittingly, uh, Baylor's team wins. They beat the uh, Celtics, and Will's team loses to Detroit. So it's ah, <laughs> wow. just a real – Real encapsulation of kind of what's going on at this point right now, and and, yes. and yeah, just a yeah. fun little little note there. But yeah, fifty point triple doubles on the same day between two different players is a uh, man can, that the world would right. explode if that happened today. You know what I mean? Like if James Harden and like I don't know Russell Westbrook, Westbrook yeah, got yeah. it. Like we would lose our minds about that. It's just like oh yeah, yeah. Elgin Wilt. Yeah. There you go. Well, 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 we'll talk about that later. But yeah, that definitely they never did it in the same night, but they definitely were obviously just. Uh, taking that barrier and busting through it in recent years, but sure. Uh, but we'll get to that eventually. You know, uh, we'll save it for later. Um, yes, and so uh, as you know, Wilt has his final fifty plus performances of the season. Um, he has his tenth against the Lakers in two seasons, then his tenth against the Royals in two seasons, the eleventh against the Packers Zephyrs franchise, of course, the expansion uh, franchise. Um, 
that he victimized a fair amount, although not like substantially more than many of the other teams. Uh, in fact, the his 51 uh, point game on uh, March 6th of that year, uh, that was his only loss in those 11 against the Packers and the Zephyrs. So poor Walt Bellamy, he was uh, victimizing him, although <laughs> yeah. uh, Walt got one here for sure. And then a couple days later, he has his a 12th performance against the uh, Pistons, which was the uh, the most against any franchise uh, during that time, which I, I was expecting it to be the Packers. So the fact that it was the uh, Pistons was a little bit of a surprise. And then um, his final performance of the season on uh, March 10th, he actually has 70. Um, and this was the sixth 70 point game of his career and the eighth 50 plus game against the Nationals in two seasons. So they were the least victimized team of, yeah. um, of all the franchises in the league. And then he lost. He still lost the game. <laughs> he scored 70 yes. and lose. Come on. Right. Warriors, come yeah. on. What right. are you doing here? Come on. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, actually, this is probably a pretty good time to, to, to jump in on the teams and opponents uh, here as you've been kind of going through it. So this is of this era, 1962 to 1966. Uh, unsurprisingly, the Philadelphia Warriors have 46. The San Francisco Warriors have 49. Combined Warriors, 95. So 95 total for the Warriors in general. Uh, the Lakers have 17. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers have 7. Uh, St. Louis has 3. New York has 2. Cincinnati has two Boston has one uh, opponents we were kind of going through and, and, and different victims here the Lakers are our highest victim of this era with 17 50 plus point games scored against them uh, New York second with 16 uh, Syracuse has 10 oh sorry I, I'm a little out of order here Detroit actually is is number one um, here one sec let me I had this in order I don't know what the hell happened here one sec sorry <laughs> I must have done like a undo sorry one sec it's gonna be impossible to read without doing that. There we go. Uh, man, what the hell happened here? I must have hit on doing something and yeah. did it too. Okay, there we go. Okay. <clears throat> and then, as far as opponents here, our leader uh, Cincinnati with 18 put on them. They're tied with uh, Detroit as well, so both those teams have 18 put on them. Uh, the Lakers coming in, uh, you know, tied for I, I guess second you would say if you're tied for first here or third, whatever you want to say. Lakers they have 17. Uh, New York has 16. St. Louis 13. Boston 13. Syracuse 10. The Chicago Packers 7. Baltimore 5. Uh, Warriors 4. Chicago Zephyrs because of course they you know kind of a <laughs> difference. So we we split those up. Uh, they have four. Uh, San Francisco Warriors three and Philadelphia 76ers three uh, put on them. So just kind of an idea uh, where the franchises go there. You obviously combine the Packers and the Zephyrs, you get a little bit more. But uh, yeah, Cincinnati and Detroit are our tops there with 18 apiece for both those teams. Yes. And if you combine the Nationals and Sixers, you get 13 as well. So, yeah, yeah I mean, so. obviously most of it is the teams that were there the longest. So we have, you had the uh, you had the Bullets also there. You've got uh, 16. So, yeah, you know, there's not really outside of the Warriors um, having a low amount against them because, you know, most of that time they had they were uh, Wilt was playing for them. There are not, uh, you know, the, the teams are fairly even on the list with the Royals and the Pistons, you know, obviously having a slight edge over everybody else. Yeah, it's different than like we looked at the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And for some reason, everybody liked to do it against the Nationals for some reason. Right, but here, right. here it seems pretty spread out. Yeah, it's like there's no real. And yeah, when you combine franchises and and because and, that, that'll kind of combine some of those back end teams a little bit. It, there's no real. Nobody's really beating up on anybody. It's just kind of like everyone's pretty even. And it's just a matter of, yeah, how many times you how many times are you facing? And, and do you have Wilt on your team? If you don't have Wilt on your team, then you're probably going to get 50 score on you at some point. So, yeah, exactly. So. The uh, the 64 season, we're getting back to more normal numbers. We only have 12 of 50-point uh, games in the season, which is 3.1%, which is still a, a lot, but is a, you know, a, a comparable number to, you know, right before things explode in 62. 
There are three players who do it. Uh, Ten of them are by Wilt Chamberlain, uh, one by Bob Pettit, and uh, one by uh, Hal Greer, a new name on this uh, list, Uh, 15th player in history to uh, cross the threshold. Yeah, and Greer's a guy that we've talked about a bunch on on this show as well. Uh, This is his one and only 50-point game. I finished his career with a uh, point-per-game average of 19.2 and had 20-plus point-per-game eight times in his career, uh, as well as two seasons in the high 19s as well. So a pretty good score overall. So maybe a little surprising that he didn't have more of those, especially given the era that he played in. Uh, But it probably plays a big part of the fact that he and Wilt were on the same team, uh, and they helped Philadelphia win the championship in 1967. So good good for him, though. I mean, Wilt gets his title, and and Greer is kind of the guy that comes in and really does help that a lot uh, and that year as well uh, Greer was the leading scorer uh, in their playoffs 27.7 points per game uh, which I think is, is notable as well that Will kind of has to take a little bit of a back seat that year to let Greer become the, the, the top scorer and that's the year that they actually win their championship as well uh, Hal Greer noted for his uh, jump shot uh, for his free throws so instead of just a standing set shot for his free throws he would jump uh, so he's known for that uh, and uh, Greer uh, as still to this day is the Sixers leader in all-time points scored field goals field goal attempts games played and minutes played as well so uh, good stuff for, uh, for Hal Greer there. Yeah, and you talk about the fact that you only have this one. You know, he's even early on in his career, he's playing with big scorers like Dolph Shays with the mm-hmm. Nationals and, you know, some pretty balanced teams. And then, of course, later on, you know, you got Will, you got Chet Walker, you got Billy Cunningham. So, you know, it, it does make sense in context. But but he was definitely, you know, pretty big scorer uh, for his time, especially, you know, in his peak years. Uh, so a couple uh, the other notable thing uh, of that of the 64 season is Bob Pettit has the last 50 plus point game uh, of his career the, the seventh on the uh, November 16th 1963 and uh, Wilt has the seventh in playoff history in uh, 1964 uh, 50 uh, 15 and uh, and six there and that was in a uh, uh, that was in a win against the uh, St. Louis Hawks so so there you go he, he did win some of these, didn't he? See, yeah, even, not, even some of the big ones, yeah. So. He's not a total loser. It's just, you know, sometimes he scores 70s and loses. It's fine. Just, yeah. just, a, just a partial loser. Yeah. yeah. We're, you know, we're all partial losers, you know? Oh, I, I feel like I'm much more than a partial loser every day of my life. Oh, but, you know, right, well, that's... Fair enough. Oh. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, Rich. I think of you as... I think of you as... Thank you. Yes. As, as yes. I, some nice Saturday mornings <laughs> slurping coffee and talking to you about NBA history. Yes. I guess so I'm Sunday, not a loser. No, I'm Sunday really cool, morning, actually. but yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are really cool. Um, Thank you. So... 1965, uh, 13 uh, games of uh, 50 or more. So, again, back to a fairly normal number. That's 3.3% of the league's total. Uh, three players cross it. We have nine by Wilt. Uh, so still dominating, but not as much as he did before. Two by Jerry West and two by Oscar Robertson, which is a little surprising that he didn't break through before 65 because he'd had uh, 37, 40-plus point games um at this point, but for whatever reason, didn't quite uh, get there. Uh, not like, you know, just sort of an oddity. I don't, I don't know if there's a really particular reason for it. It wasn't like he, he necessarily played with a lot of other scorers. I guess Jack Twyman early on, but... Um, I don't know. A little bit of a surprise there. Yeah, no, that is. That is just because you would think that he... I mean, especially with that many 40s, that you'd get lucky sometime and just get to 50. But yeah, he never quite did, which is, uh, he's, you know, a selfless passer. He was like, you know what? I got 44, enough for me. You guys can have the ball. Yeah, but it's just kind of strange that you'd think he'd he'd break through, especially, yeah, given that, like, when there was so many in that one year, that 1962, you assume that, like, anybody who with any sort of merit would probably be able to get one. But yeah, some guys just didn't. And, and Oscar, you know, obviously being one of those that, that had to wait a few years until he got there. But not bad. Yeah, absolutely. And, um... A few of the key games this season, Wilt on November 22nd, 64. He has his fourth and final 50-40 game. No one else has ever had one. Uh, 
And then on the 26th, he has another 60-30 game. It would be uh, the last game for anyone with 50 or more field goal attempts until 2016, which was the Kobe game that we referred to uh, earlier. And it's also Wilt's eighth 50-plus game in which he has a true shooting percentage uh, below 48. And he has, in fact, the eight worst uh, um, true shooting percentage games uh, in NBA history in terms of ones that happen at 50-plus point games. So you take the good, you take the bad. And there you have, you know, the facts of Wilt. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of this is going to be just like the sample size is so large that like right. he's going to have basically every possible scenario of 50 point games because he's got so many of them. So like, yeah, he's going to have the worst shooter. Percentage. He's going to have some of the good, you know, and he's just going to have and, and there's going to be some weird things that I mean, and, and that's just kind of the wilt facts that comes up. It's like when you when you have so many that the sample size is so large that, yeah, you're going to have some some bad games. So it doesn't mean particularly that he was like a, a bad scorer, a guy who just was scoring right. garbage points or whatever. It's just like he had so many games that sometimes you're going to have bad 50 point games if you score as many of them as you do. So that's just, yeah, the wilt, uh, wilt facts for you. But there you go. Absolutely. And, and, and most of those, you know, again, 48 percent of being about the league average. So they're bad for shootings in, in modern terms. But, you know, in terms of what was the average in the league at the time, um, they're high. I mean, now he right, right. His shooting percentage was generally way above the league average, although it's um, low compared to modern standards, mostly because of the bad free throw shooting. You know, I mean, he, he of course, would occasionally have bad nights from the field, but, you know, he was well above average from the field. It was more the free throw shooting that, you know, hurt him mm-hmm. in, in terms of that. So. Um, and then Wilt has his last 50 plus point game as a warrior, uh, on, uh, January 3rd, 1965. It's his third to last game with the uh, franchise because he would be traded this year, becoming, I believe the first player with the 50 in the season to be, uh, to be traded to another team that, that has, I know it's happened since, but it has to be exceptional. We'll have to make a note of that one in the future and see oh, if yeah. we can, uh, mm-hmm. Figure out which players have been traded uh, during the season having fifty plus point game. I, I know Mo Williams off the top. Of Mo, my head. yeah, Mo Williams. Yeah. somehow Mo that was the one yeah. I think of right away is Mo Williams. But right. uh, yeah, there right. has to be other ones. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Sure. Um, and then, uh, then later on, Wilt has his first with the uh, Sixers near the end of the season on March fourteenth, uh, sixty five, and uh, capping off the end of the season is another. Um, Playoff performance, uh, Jerry West with the eighth 50-plus in playoff history and the first one of uh, of his career. So he would have another famous one a little bit later on in his career, which we'll get into in our next episode. Absolutely. A uh, little little brief aside as we do kind of positional breakdowns, again, of, of uh, these 50-point games. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, center dominated the field here with 78.7%. That is uh, largely because of one man, Will Chamberlain. Uh, forwards, 8.7% of all 50-point games. Guards, 6.3% of all 50-point games. Uh, guard forwards, as, as designated by basketball reference, 3.1%. Uh, and then forward centers, 2.4% uh, in terms of position. So nothing surprising there. Centers still dominate this 50-point game thing, mostly because Will is dominating the 50-point games as well. Uh, I thought this is the most interesting though. Wins and losses in 50-point games. Win percentage is only 67.7%, which is very well below uh, what we've kind of gotten used to. Uh, All-time, the win percentage is 73.2%. Then losses, of course, 32.3% in this era. uh, 26.8% all-time, which again, I think is is, is a byproduct of Wilt. And again, like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to, like, kind of pick on Wilt for losing these games or whatnot. It's like, if you score so many, you're going to lose some games. Like, they're not going to win every single game that he scores 50 in, and he scores 50 like in almost every game that he plays so like of course they're gonna lose some game they're like you know he's scoring 50 so many times and so often that the sample size is gonna be large so you're gonna lose some games in that so it's not necessarily him not being good it's just mostly there's so many giant samples here so i just found that kind of interesting though that the uh, of this era is gonna grade i think the worst uh, of any era in terms of wins uh win percentage in 50 point games which i think is largely because there are so many of them but but we'll see kind of and track that as we go on a little bit 
Yeah, we'll have to uh, for the next show. We'll have to break down the uh, all time with Wilt and the all time. Not include, you know, compare the Wilt games to all the other games and see if there's a big disparity in the uh, you know win loss record. Yeah, yeah. Next, I think that'd be interesting. Um, so diving into the sixty six season, uh, there are only nine uh, down. So only two point five percent of regular season games were fifty plus. Uh, this was the. Um, uh, or the, I'm sorry, this is not the first season. The next season will be the first season of expansion. So uh, so, so we have uh, uh, four players breaking through. We have uh, familiar names of uh, Will Chamberlain, of course, uh, Jerry West. And then we get uh, Rick Barry and Sam Jones, uh, interestingly enough. So, uh, And Barry is about to be, become a very prominent figure in 50-plus uh, point games, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Um uh, before we get into Barry and Jones's performance, um, the points per game would jump back up to a hundred and fifteen. It would it basically stay at around this number, one twelve to one seventeen, uh, until the seventy two season, and then would sort of settle into a lower one hundred five to one ten range until the mid nineties when it would fall below one hundred. So, um, so you know, we're at a relatively steady number for uh, points per game for at least another few seasons. Um, Looking at the uh, the key performances for this season, uh, Wilt has um, 53 and 21 in the Sixers' second game of the season. His true shooting percentage is 83.8%, which is the best uh, true shooting percentage in a 50-plus point game in his career and would set a pro record that would last for about 10 seasons. So um, then, uh, as we mentioned before, Sam Jones uh, on October 29th, 65, it's his First 50-plus point game, he's the 17th ever to cross that threshold. At the time, he was the oldest to score 50-plus and would remain the oldest to score 50-plus for the first time uh, until 1973. Um, and he was age 32, 127 days at this point. So, um, And then the uh, the Rick Barry, uh, him crossing 50, 50 happens on uh, December 14th, 1965. Um, and then he set a NBA record for the youngest at 50 plus. He was uh, tw- 21 years, 261 days. It would be broken by LeBron in 2005, and eventually the record would be set by Brandon Jennings in uh, 2010. So, and uh, while I was talking about that, uh, Rich did a little bit of research in terms of the uh, percentage with Wilt and without Wilt. Yeah, so I thought I'd you know you mentioned that, so asked and answered. So Wilt's uh, win percentage in fifty plus point games sixty nine point seven percent, a pretty nice number there for him. Uh, all non Wilt's uh, win loss records is seventy four point two percent. So not a dramatic difference, I would say. You know that that's that's enough where like just a large sample size would do it. It is it is less than you know the all time record, but not too much. So 69.7% win percentage in in in, in Wilt 50 plus point games. So that's not too bad. I'll, I'll give, you know, that's I thought it was going to be a little bit less than that. So I, I don't think it's that gigantic of a uh, gigantic of a gap. So Right. And as you said, I think it has more to do with the fact that Wilt just made it happen so commonly that it was more routine where, you know, it's obviously more of an outlier now and it's going to happen in more often in games I think when, you know, your your, your team is winning. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, um yeah, and I think the last game that we'll note in this era is from uh, March 3rd, 1966, and Wilt has another 60-30 game uh, going on. And he's j- approaching 30 years old at this point. He's uh, he's 29 and a half, roughly, at this point. So uh, it's kind of a good uh, time to close out because I think we're moving into a new era in which you know, Wilt is moving on to a new stage of his career. As you talked about, he's going to be with the 76ers team 
uh, with Alex Handum coming back as a coach for him for the second time, the first time with the Warriors, the second time with the Sixers, is going to be on a team where he his focus is going to be much more rebounding defense and passing going forward rather than uh the big scoring binges although he will occasionally have them um and it'll be rick barry who's going to be kind of the dominant scorer over the next era we have nba expanding we have the aba coming along the pool of players is going to be completely different and we're gonna you know have a a completely different uh era than we had before in terms of 50 point games yeah, I'm excited to see kind of a difference. This this was a, uh, you know an episode that I was really looking forward to because it was going to be the ridiculousness of uh, of Wilt. But yeah, we're going to have some fun stuff coming up in the next uh, few years as things kind of change a little bit. The the NBA evolves, the ABA comes in, in, into play, and then you know obviously we're, we're going to then after that get into kind of the, some some of the stars of of what I consider you know quote unquote the kind of the modern era with Bird Magic and and well not Magic because as we mentioned in one episode he's not going to appear, but uh, Michael Jordan and some other guys a, a, as well. So it'd be kind of fun to see this this evolution here. But this was. I thought just an awesome episode just to look at, you know, just how ridiculous it was and how ridiculous just the, the, the league in general was. I mean, like we said, they're, they're, this era stands so far head and shoulders above any other era in terms of 50-point games, particularly the 1962 season, which is just like not even close to any other season we've ever seen before and, and, and we'll ever see again. There's no way. I mean, if, if 2019 can only barely do what it's doing now, which is you know, still registering pretty high, it's just nuts that, that yeah, it's going to be anywhere near uh, what it was in 1962. So it's a, a, definitely a fun episode and a fun era. To, to, to take a look at absolutely so um yeah thanks everyone for uh, checking us out you can find us on uh the step back at fansided and uh, we're on a new uh podcasting platform we're now on spreaker so if you want to go to our page at uh, spreaker and uh subscribe there and uh, we would appreciate that uh, we're still on all the same feeds itunes um stitcher you know all, all the same places that were there usually it shouldn't really have any effect anybody uh listening to the episode and uh, give us a rating and review any of those places. Uh, we, we, we like them. They make us feel good. We are hoping everyone is enjoying this series in particular. If you want to give us any feedback, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back uh, NBA. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We're back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.